Welcome to the Coach Fury Podcast. This is where fitness and geekdom collide. It's time to live long, be strong, and die mighty. Hey, listeners, welcome to episode 88 of the Coach Fury Podcast. Uh, If you've been listening to this sort of, it's not a relaunch, but since we've been back, you know that I've opened up a studio. We're officially at 516 Third Avenue in Gowanus, and I now have a team, uh, three wonderful coaches that have trained with me, have been part of online coaching, personal training, and the small group uh, program that I have. And I'm very fortunate to have them, and that is Coach Optimus Prime, Caitlin Lavelle, who's a former podcast guest, Coach Mal, Mallory Kreveling, and today's guest, Coach Meg Hopkins. Uh, Sometimes I call her Megadeth, but I don't know if that's stuck yet. And this is an interesting conversation because I'm going to be honest, with almost 100 episodes in, if you count the bonus ones, uh, you know, I'm open-minded and I learn a lot. My opinion changes a little bit, but we have a discussion on body positive and the body positivity movement. And I felt like I was at a loss for words and needed um, to really think about my thoughts and actually... Of all of the shows, I don't know if I come across good on this one. Uh, I don't know if I come across like a potential asshole on this one. But the great thing is, and why I'm sharing it, is I kept thinking about this one and how I, how I thought about and viewed these things in the past and how I need to reframe um, and, and check myself sometimes on it. And that was a good thing. And again, that's coming from having what I thought was a very open-minded, positive opinion on it. But it was a really fun conversation, and I'm really grateful for Meg to come on the show and talk about it. Because right now we're in a state where a lot of buzzwords are thrown out as marketing terms like inclusiveness and authenticity and, uh, you know, body positive and and all that stuff. But we've, you know, there's, there's a difference when you actually have that as part of your culture, and then there's a part of it when you're using it as a marketing term. And um, I think we have a better head, uh, including myself. I'm not throwing this as a negative on anybody else. I think most of us have a better head on what we think when we say, what does it mean to be authentic? We can say a phrase when you say, what's it like to have a great culture or build a tribe? Um, It's easier to describe, but what it means to be a body positive ally is way trickier than I thought. So uh, I hope you enjoy this episode. A few things coming on at the Fury Industries. Uh, I want to thank everybody that came out to this weekend's original strength pressing reset certification. It was packed with friends. We had a great time learning, crawling, rolling around, and then having a couple of drinks after. Um, the next courses are sold out, both RKCs, one in October, one in November at Catalyst Sport with RKC team leader Jason Kapnick. And I. those are both sold out. And we're going to have another RKC coming up in March, so keep, keep your uh, eyes and ears open for that one. But uh, everything else is sort of out of town for now. But here's the thing that's come up. A lot of people were asking me about DBRT workshops and, uh, or certs. And I think what I want to do at Fury Industries is we're going to start doing more private events here. Um, private certifications or courses for friends and staff and facility owners where they might not have an open public listing. Um, we can only have a certain amount of small people here, and I'm not one that wants to cram people in here. Uh, part of the speakeasy's charm, and what I want this to be, is to feel like you're not just in my studio, but like truly in my home, since we used to train in my home. So if you're interested in maybe having a private event, shoot me an email at coachfury at gmail.com for that. If you love this show, and I want to thank everybody. I didn't look at the ratings um, during the hiatus, and I look back, and we have 45 five-star ratings on the old iTunes. That's awesome. 
please drop that five star uh, if you like the show, if you've listened to two or three episodes. It's really great for us, but it also is pretty stoked for the, uh, for, for the guests that they're getting a little more play, subscribe. And I really hope you enjoy this conversation. It was a difficult topic and you get to hear me stumble a bunch. Uh, but that's how we learn, right? You can't get it right all the time, even if you know you might be wrong. You, yeah, I don't know. I look forward to hearing from you on this one. Cool? All right, everybody. Enjoy Coach Meg Marjorie. We call her Meg. She calls herself Meg. Hopkins uh, and I, a.k.a. soon-to-be Megadeth, if that sticks, on the Coach Fury Podcast. Uh, hey, everyone. I'm very excited to have the podcast back in action. Thank you for those that, you know, gave a shout out that we're excited to have the Todd Bumgarner, Rob Aguero Hoffman episodes out. Uh, it's been really cool getting feedback and talking to people again. And if you followed these last couple episodes going into this one in sequence, you know why this podcast took an unexpected three and a half, four month hiatus. And that is because I literally went from the living room into a dance studio, into owning Fury Industries and running our own street level storefront watching people go by now it feels like an old-timey radio station when they used to look out on the street um from the living room to the dance studio to here isn't that basically saturday night fever yes pretty much so i'm the john travolta of fitness um we are in brooklyn he and i lived in bay ridge where he was from uh but if you follow this adventure one of the really cool things about it is um i now have a team of awesome coaches that work with me at Fury Industries uh, a few hours a week. And I'm very excited to have Coach Meg Hopkins, although if you Google her or Facebook friend her, it's Marjorie Lily Hopkins, because that's not confusing. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that's what's going on. And we're going to talk to Meg. And first, let's talk about how we met Meg. I'm going to lower the gain on this mic a little bit. Okay. Hit it. Say hi. All right. Hi, guys. Um, how we met, well, it's a story. Um, it's actually not that much of a story. I was uh, working at a gym with Coach Caitlin, um, who is part of the team over here at Fury Industries. And Coach Caitlin told me she was doing this cool thing called the RKC, Russian Kettlebell Certification. And to be honest, I was out, it was my first month working at this gym. That I, I didn't know at. that. Yeah, I didn't know you were so new there. The first month working at um, the gym with Coach Caitlin, and I was out for drinks with her and Whitney, another colleague at that gym, and then they were just talking to me about how they were going to do this cool thing called the RKC. I was like, oh, I've worked with kettlebells a little bit, um, and I didn't want to feel left out. So they were like, do you want to do it? And I'm like, yeah. I was like three <laughs> drinks in. I'm like, this sounds great. Um, and then Caitlin introduced me to coach, and I kind of got grounded in the sense of what I would actually have to be doing for the RKC. <laughs> so coach and I spent a lot of time together. It's, uh, and Caitlin's been on the program. If you look at the thumbnail art, uh, Caitlin Lavelle, she's the one with Optimus Prime, like a female version of Optimus Prime. Mm -hmm. um, Caitlin became Agent Prime. We're actually coming up on our... Uh, she was the first person to sign up when I joke about the living room. She was the first person to sign up for the small group training program when I launched it thanks to Michelle Mason uh, for referring her, her my way. And then Caitlin not only got Meg to come and take the RKC, she got like four or five other women to sign up, including Whitney, who Meg mentioned, but also Mallory Kreveling is also one, uh, the third member of the team. So right now, Team Fury is uh, coaches Meg, Caitlin, AKA Prime, and Mallory. And uh, I couldn't be happier with them 
And one of the things that's been a frequent thing on this show is this idea of like mentorship and actually helping people up. And I'm hoping one of the reasons why I wanted to open a brick and mortar as opposed to a lot of places, I think a lot of coaches are like working a big box and they're like, fuck this, I can make more money, I can do this better than them, I'll show them and they open up a spot. And I actually did not want to do that. Uh, I just wanted to open up a kind of, of a unique place to be me. Um, and again, become like a hub of continuing education and try to help people out the way they've helped me out. Uh, this industry is really super freaking tricky, uh, more so than it has to be, but I have found that if you align with the right people uh, and be both uh, vocal to ask for help, but also be open to help, uh, is super important parts of both of those things, um, I'm hoping that I can offer that. And the cool thing is, is like, I learn a lot from everybody here too. And that's what one of the things that Meg and I are going to talk about today is, I don't know if, if this is familiar outside of New York, but recently, what was it, three months ago, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, the Equinox thing with the Trump thing oh, yeah, happened, yeah. right? So, you know, if you've listened to other episodes of this podcast, like I've talked about it, Matt Wilson talked about it, in fitness now, there's a lot of talk about, you know, everyone's welcome, all inclusive, you know, being open-minded, finding your authentic self, and they're becoming selling buzzwords, more or less. Uh, so in New York area, Equinox is a big chain, and this isn't a slam on Equinox, and SoulCycle is a big one. I think they're pretty global at this point. Mm -hmm. But um, one of their uh, financiers or owners uh, was through a big Trump party and raised money, like $12 million or something for Trump. And a lot of people, understandably, some people left. I'm not saying that's right or wrong, by the way. I'll express my opinion on that. That's not really the focus of this podcast, but it, we're getting there. Bear with me. We're getting there. Um, but a lot of people left their memberships, like especially my friends in the LGBTQ community. They were like, well, you know, like I don't have to, we don't have to have the same politics, but I completely understand somebody in that community being like, you know, that's a big no for me. So that's, that's one thing. But what happened was it became a selling angle where people like other gyms started being like, fuck those guys. We're the most inclusive, open-minded, better than them facility. And like, that's like a sales angle that, as a marketing tool, right? Like we legitimately at Fury Industries, the speakeasy of strength, we'll let everybody in. Like, you know, and if you're by your attitude and your actions don't fit here, like you'll probably figure it out first. Um, one of the reasons we have a free trial week here is not just I want the people to like us and decide, you know, after that, but it's also like if I think someone's going to be potentially toxic to the crew, um, we're going to have a conversation and I'm going to try to find them a better home that fits them. Now, that doesn't mean I'm not going to let a Trump supporter in here uh, if they're in the right frame of mind. I know that sounds kind of crazy, but like people have to be around other people. Meg's frowning as I say it. But uh, I do think there's a, a thing where there's an, a window for talking. And um, but then again, like you might not want to be here on that front. So what I'm saying is I keep an open mind, but I don't want to train everybody. Like everybody's not going to be right for me. Uh, so I'm not going to chase that dollar. What I'm getting to though, is this idea that these selling words came out about like authenticity and inclusiveness. And you know, those things come out of like actually delivering within your facility or your studio or whatever, right? You can't put that on the door and actually make it happen until you're in. And if your main focus is the dollar, people are going to start to realize that you're trying to sell these, you know, I think we live in like a greater, people are more aware of personal development books and people like Brene Brown and that than ever before. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the things that I've been seeing a lot lately 
is uh, people talking about body positivity. And I've heard the phrase, being body positive, I've heard the phrase for a long time and I think it's a confusing phrase to some degree. And one of the things that I love about Meg is she actually brings that to a table. It's a big part of her movement, the Thrive Tribe movement, which is outside of here at the Speakeasy of Strength. So I thought, Meg, welcome like a, to the podcast land and the team, but also uh, what would you, if somebody would ask you, what does it mean, like body positive, what does that mean? So a lot of um, what goes around as bo- like pop culture body positivity, what I, as what I call it today, um, is not the actual definition. A lot of people confuse body positivity and self-love slash self-respect, and they're not the same thing. So while self-love is kind of like accepting yourself or self-acceptance or body neutrality, anything like that, it's just accepting yourself the way you are um, and either loving yourself or just being so neutral about your body that it doesn't like conflate with your worth, that's um, one section. And body positivity is actually a political movement for people in marginalized bodies. So that means uh, fat people, that means people who are disabled, that means people of color. Um, So body positivity was created by marginalized people for marginalized people. Um, And I think that's a large part of what gets lost today, especially in the fitness world when everybody's saying like, oh, I'm body positive, we're a body positive company, but you can't be body positive and not addressing all the issues within the fitness world and the world in general about how people are treated because their bodies are not quote unquote acceptable. Yeah, I think, you know, we've, people often talk about, or ju- you know, that there's two sides of this coin. People judge people for like not making the step or spending the money to go to a gym. And then other people are very aware, like myself, that it's fucking scary to go to a gym. Like, it's been interesting now as a, as a studio owner, you know, I'm right by our outside window. So I could see when people are looking in and checking it out and I'll wave and sometimes I'll go out and try to say hi. And I could see there's like this, they're timid about coming in and it's a gym and it's also like we're a smaller space. But then once they get in, it's like it's taking that first step is a big one. But what I don't think people realize, especially coaches, is like, look, especially on the younger side of coaching, people are generally coming in as former athletes or um, really having been interested in running or some sort of athletics. And they're already coming in like pretty, pretty in great shape, what we would think as a norm. Um, I'm not saying they're perfect. Like, and I'm not trying to make a broad generalization, but you know, it's for the outside person who's coming in new to fitness. And in my, in our category, we're weird where we actually do have a lot of people in like their mid twenties through their mid fifties at this point. So normally it would be like a narrower bracket. I'd say, if it weren't for the trainers, I guess, connection, I would say my target is probably between 35 and 45, like myself, right? I'm on the, I'm past that fucking window, by the way, folks, check that box, 47 in October. Holy shit. But I know as somebody that's like, you know, uh, coming in and out of shape over his life, that like going to a new gym is fucking scary. And so there's that aspect where we can judge people and then we could try to over like, Oh, don't be scared. We're here. Like we, we overemphasize that part. People just need a place that they can go that they feel like they're not going to get fucking stared at or talked down to or made fun of. And unfortunately, at a lot of gyms, that shit still happens even when they have all of these buzzwords on their windows. Uh, and the thing that I've tried to navigate through seeing some of Meg's posts and my friend Kira Newton um, posts a lot about this is trying to be careful with my words in a way that I've never used before. And that's tricky in fitness because... You, you know, it's a, 
it could be a landmine and it's like a landmine on top of a culture now that like we have tons of more landmines in terms of accidentally offending somebody mm -hmm. um but it is something that i'm trying to be aware of like what would you say if someone's coming in how, how do you approach somebody as a trainer with this body positive mindset when someone comes in say they're 40 pounds overweight you can tell that they haven't done exercise or they're open about not having done exercise maybe forever um how do you approach that and do you think that's any different than somebody else does well it's obviously for me it's on a case-by-case -case basis but whenever somebody comes to me and they say like i want to lose x amount of pounds i consider myself a weight neutral trainer so i do not focus on weight but what i do tell people is that if you get some regular movement into your life, movement you enjoy that you're going to do regularly because if you do something you hate, then you're not gonna fucking do it and you're gonna be miserable and that sucks, I've been there. Um, then you're going to start to feel differently and your body composition may change because that's just what happens with regular movement. Um, but I can't predict how it's gonna change because I don't know your genetic profile and I'm not going to lie to you and be like, you're going to look exactly like me, like a tiny little white girl, if you do this, this, and this X amount of times a week. So that's basically how I approach it because weight is just, it's gotten so, it's risen up onto a huge pedestal in our society where it's like weight equals health, thinness is better, fatness is bad, whereas fat is just like a descriptive term and you can't tell how somebody, you can't tell anybody's health by how they look. Like you just can't. And everybody who goes on the internet and is like, well, what about this part? Like, fuck you. You can't tell anybody's health status by their appearance. Well, let's say on the flip side, it's that idea that like being skinny doesn't make you strong and being fat doesn't make you weak. No. Um, and the perception of that. The hard part is, you know, I think over the, the, I can't remember when I first sort of became aware of it, but like, you know, when you hear a body positive, you hear of like, you know, uh, it used to be like swimsuit models are now like heavier. Right, like that's how the big pitch I think was usually done. Like we're making clothes for regular women now. Like that was how it was originally marketed. And I think that just became more of like, okay, it's a different view of acceptance. I think people like when, when it's like, oh, it's okay to be heavy versus like, it's okay to be happy. And I think there's a big difference there. And I think, again, anybody that wants to move should move. Like I think for a long life, you need to move, you need to breathe, you need to lift stuff in my opinion, right? You need to roll around on the floor, you need to crawl a little bit, you need to do all the shit we do here. Yeah. But it's the judgment stick. And MFF, you know, the, 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 I learned that I never actually heard the phrase unconditional self-regard or self-love. I'm fucking not self-love. That's like jerking off. Unconditional <laughs> self-regard. Okay, well, you can uh, look at it <laughs> Unconditional self-regard and how that meant. And, and, you know, I think we try to be without being, uh, you know, Fury Industries. We don't, I don't, I would feel very disingenuous as body positive, like, like claiming it. But I understand it because I'm a trainer that's probably about 25% body fat right now. But I'm above average strength. And that's my main goal, right? So it's like accepting of that. And the only time I feel like shit about that, and the range is it, is that <laughs> is that the beach or when I'm around a bunch of jack trainers sometimes who start talking shit about other stuff. So I think it's important that like accept that it gets more important for me to be more mobile and have strength within planes of motion, be able to do shit with my wife and kids then like exactly how lean do I get? Now I get it. I'm a fucking representative of the business that I do. Um, but like, that's also kind of my ultimate target when I bring people in. People come in for strength, mobility, and fat loss. 
And you know what I have control over? The strength and mobility more than I do over the fat loss. And for the coaches that think they have a ton of that, we can provide advice, but it's really hard to get people to break habits. Like they have to do that outside of the gym. Um, where do you think potentially coaches, or if you've even seen me potentially approach somebody wrong, like with a, maybe a, a, a phrase or something, or a person that might be viewed as like just sort of the norm, but might be actually inadvertently hurting feelings or something? Well, I think the main issue um, that a lot of coaches have, and this isn't you, I don't think I've ever seen you do this, but approaching people in more marginalized bodies, like approaching bigger people or disabled people and just kind of assuming you know why they're in the gym. Like if you see someone in a bigger body, if a coach in like a typical gym sees somebody in a bigger body, they're going to automatically assume that person is there for weight loss. And they're going to automatically assume that person doesn't know how to move well, doesn't, isn't able to like lift heavy shit. And it's like, they're people just assume coaches, especially assume they know somebody's ability by how they look. And that's just like assuming that, you know, somebody's health status by how they appear. Some of the, like, I, the strongest people I know have the most body fat. I'm not even going to lie. I, all of the like heavy power lifters that I interact with have the most body fat. Like they self-identify as fat. So I'm not going to look at a fat person and be like, oh, you're obviously like new to this and you can't do anything because you never know. Yeah, you really know, never know. And then there's the flip side of that is when somebody comes in looking relatively lean and then you start moving around with them with relatively, you know, moderate weights and you realize uh, how potentially fragile or weak they actually are. That's like an, that's an interesting one. Yeah. And then, you know, the mindset is the battle and it's, it's a really tricky thing to navigate. Like I know when someone, you know, as I start to see someone see results, it's like, I'm cautious with how I compliment them on that. Right. Like yeah. we tend to compliment more on technique and an increase in load or movement yeah. quality than necessarily on the appearance. And, you know, I kind of know, like, there's, there's a number of people that if I were like, you know, just check out those arms, like, you know, like people are gonna like, they're investing their time and money into it, but you have to be careful with some of those phrases too, because then they're, they're basing the judgment off of maybe how they were unhappy. Yeah. That, you know, like they were, oh, you're just almost reaffirming that they were lesser than before. But that's a tricky one because they're also paying to change, make a transformation. That's true. But like I try to be mindful of it, right? Like yeah. um, I'll use the words powerful a lot now where mm -hmm. I think it's like you just did something and it's like, do you realize how powerful you just looked? You know, and I think that's, again, another buzzword, right? Empowering. Uh, I, I think people want to be told that they're becoming greater than more than they're becoming leaner than or something else. Right? I don't know if that makes sense, but these are these are this folks. I hope this actually is coming out in the podcast. This is as me as a coach with my own verbal skills, how I'm trying to wrap this around my head, which is why I'm stoked to be talking with Meg about it. Uh, what do you think on that stuff? Like, it, it, where's the where's the sensitivity line? Like, say if someone has been losing weight in terms of complimenting on it or avoiding that entirely. Uh, in my opinion, I avoid weight talk entirely. Because when you compliment somebody on weight loss, even though that's what society views as like the ultimate goal, like if you lose weight, everything's great, um, which isn't necessarily true. I can tell you from personal experience. Um, I avoid it entirely because you 
saying like, oh, you look great, you've lost weight, is first of all, implying that they didn't look great before um, and that they were lesser than they are when they lost weight, which can lead to a disordered mindset. Um, and doesn't necessarily in everybody, but I'm not about to take that chance. And what I like to tell people is your body goes through ebbs and flows throughout your life. You're not going to be the same weight in a year that you are now probably, or in five years or 10 years or 20 years. It's going to change. Everybody gets older, everybody's metabolism ebbs and flows and everything. So for me, commenting on weight loss and weight gain, that just sets you up to be less sure of yourself and less happy later in life when your body does change. I would rather have people feel their own self-worth and feel how the movement makes them feel and how powerful they're getting and like how badass they feel as opposed to be like, oh, well, you're losing weight. So yay for you. Does it's that make like, sense? Yeah, it's like we were talking earlier how the, the, the weight loss becomes a byproduct of the goal-oriented in the training. Not that the goal is to necessarily lose weight, because usually even if they're coming in to lose weight, um, we try to transition the goals to be like, get a better kettlebell swing, get push-ups, yeah. you know, get a better squat, maybe lift something heavier, do something with, with more efficiency than you did before. We have a lot of people right now that would deem themselves as, uh, you know, having movement issues, like a lot of back and knee stuff and wrist stuff. So the PR goal on that might just be like, they come in and they're like, Hey, I'm able to do something like I can go do a push up on my, with my wrist bent for the first time in a long time without pain the next day. Yeah. And I think that's, that's definitely something that I find myself. There's moments I'm rarely at a loss of words, whether they make sense or not, but there's moments now where I'm trying to catch myself on it. Because it started to apply and it's actually started coming off of, again, I'm forgetting which post it was, but it was something you had written a while ago around the same time my friend Kira wrote something, is, you know, people's goals when they're coming in, they've generally probably been struggling with them for a long time. And whether it's a weight loss goal or somebody feels like they're broken or injured the whole time, if you keep focusing on the one item... And it doesn't happen. And folks, coaches, that's usually not happening outside of our time with us. Injuries we can make worse. But a lot of the stuff that like perpetuates a bad back is the time spent outside of the facility. Like mm -hmm. what, what's the job that they're doing? How are they sitting? How are they sleeping? All of those things, right? How are they walking? What are their shoes? Whatever that might be. But it's the mindset thing. So if that becomes the sole focus, you're setting them up for repeat failure. Mm -hmm. Versus if you shift the focus, the other stuff will come with it. But because it's the mindset, it's kind of like how people talk about it, you know, you know, oh, I'm getting too old for this. But like people could be in that mindset in their 20s or their low 30s, you know, like again, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, that there has to be not just the hope of being better, but the reality that we can be better. But that comes with the, uh, the thing that I've been, we've had conversations out, outside of this podcast with is, is accepting like, how do you want your life to be? And what is the sacrifice you want to make? And I think to add into that is why do you want it to be that way? And I think a lot of us want to look a certain way just because, again, we have been programmed that this is how what, what is considered hot or desirable or attractive. Um, whether or not that's actually how you want to live your life. Like if you love food and drinking, you're going to have more body fat because you're not going to outrace that. Now, there is nothing wrong with that, right? 
if that's what you love. Uh, I also have a different thing. I picked this up from Henry Rollins. Like, look, uh, I think people need to be with other people and stuff, but like, if you love reading books more than anything in the world, I think it's perfectly fine that if you fucking just got your house, got to work, and you just came home and read every day for the rest of your life loving it alone, I think that's actually probably a, marvel, mar, a, a marvelous life for you if that's your thing. Uh, it doesn't flow for me, but you know, so if you love like food and booze, as long as it's not like a problematic alcoholic syndrome, or you're not getting like health issues, like legit, you know, like blood work, heart stuff, um, embrace it. But I do think movement, if you sell movement, is just like a way to allow you to do, read more books and, you know, offset the potential negatives of that. But to go lean for the sake of like a social norm is kind of a fucking lot of work. Uh, it's a lot of work. Any, any thoughts it's on It's not fun. Yeah, it's really not. By to be, I mean, I've done it. Like I, I've, I'm, my body is like genetically engineered to be leaner, but in, like I developed an eating disorder because I wanted to be like very lean. And, um, obviously there was a bunch of like power issues behind that and whatever, but I have done the whole, like losing the weight thing and not going out with friends because I didn't want to like eat X amount of food and not having to like look up the menu at a restaurant every time I went to see if there was something I could eat and not like drinking with friends because alcohol and calories and like basically just that is a life that made me kind of become a loner and I was just really miserable and I would rather go out with friends. I would rather like go out with my fiance. I would rather grab a drink and eat food and not be super worried about like what are you gonna have for lunch today and obsess over food? Like, it's just not a great way to live for me. How, how long did you struggle to overcome it to the point that you're at now? Um, well, I was hospitalized when I was 18, officially. I think it started around, I mean, it started when I was a child, but like, um, it started- oh, so it started that young? Oh yeah, I remember like first grade. Um, but I remember it got really bad in high school and the second I went away to college, it like, they had to take me to the hospital. It was like oh, wow. Halloween of that year. They were like, no, you got to go. Um, and so it was probably like five years after that hospitalization of like solid work to really be like at a stable mental, emotional, physical place. Um, and I talk about this a lot um, in Thrive Tribe Movement about just like how the pop culture fitness world, because I was on class pass then and I was just like trying out all these gyms and everything while I was in that weird ether of recovery um, and how a lot of like the buzzwords people use during those classes, like do this to look this way and do this if you want like a six pack and everything that actually set my recovery back a lot. Um, but yeah, it was like a good solid five years before I finally like started this company I'm running about being a body positive ally and just like encouraging people to move to feel powerful that I really started to like come into my own in terms of recovery and not really be super thinking about what I eat and not be working myself into the ground and obviously like working out with you and working out in this gym has given me a better sense of like how to move effectively and get stronger without wrecking my body which is fun. Well, I'm glad you battled through it. What would you say if someone's listening right now that has been or is currently struggling with some of these thoughts or knows somebody, what would be like an action step to start towards recovery? Because I, I can't be just change your diet because like obviously no. there's a heavy mental component to that. No, I mean, it's, it's really rough. 
because you have to want to change what you're doing. Um, and for the reason I was able to get so bad is because I did not want to change what I was doing because I wasn't, I didn't want to like look at the emotional issues in my life, the mental health issues that were leading me to want to do this. It's all about control. So I would say definitely get help. Go see a therapist if you can. Um, and that'll help you try to, nope, that'll help you figure out the underlying cause. Because it's not, I mean, if you're struggling with an eating disorder, it's very rarely just like, I want to be thin. It's like, I want to control. I have no control over this aspect of my life, so I need to control something. And that's just what it is. So get help, and it does get better. I mean, I'm living proof of that. Like, it, you can live a full life. Yeah, it's a... Uh... It's a touchy one to talk about because, and, and I, I wrote an article for MFF, I guess it's almost two years ago now, which is about just being awkward. And, uh, and then I guess a year ago, I wrote one about mental health a little bit and my own sort of struggles with that. And those are the articles I tend to get more or blogs that I tend to get more feedback from. Mm -hmm. uh, it's weird now with everything that's going on in the world and how like, again, like this rise of personal development and maybe it is because we're in Brooklyn in the city, but even here where this stuff's so much more common, there's still like the stigma about mental health and like getting help. Yeah. And it's, uh, I mean, clearly on so many levels, as we talk about how do we make this country better, uh, more access, more openness, less making fun to therapy yes. and that type of stuff. It'd go a huge way. And you know, I'm not an anti-gun guy, but I'm not a gun guy, but let's talk about it. Like all these shooting things that are happening, it's less about the guns and more about the mental health. And look, I'm not saying we need assault rifles, so don't jump on the podcast that way, but like mental health is a fucking huge thing. And how, you know, Meg mentioned control, it's so easy to fall down our own, whether it's food or something else, our own rabbit holes. Mm -hmm. One of the things I sometimes get caught up in is binge watching hoarders. And I'm not saying people with eating disorders are, are, are hoarders in any way, but like you look at a hoarder show and you're like, how the fuck does somebody let themselves live that? Like they're around roaches and bugs and fucking tons of shit and they won't let it go. Folks, like two blocks away from Fury Industries, there's a hoarder house. And clearly it would seem easy to throw shit out. It's literally garbage. Like, I mean, you could see it. It's all like, there's nothing, in, it's not even like a collectible or worth or anything. It's, it's garbage. You see rats running around it, you see the guy. But there's something mentally attached that that's an element of control. The one thing in the life that this dude's doing is he's having ownership of that. Mm -hmm. um, and when you see, watch the shows, like it does actually, I get caught into it, not because of the gross factor, but because of these attachments and how they become habits. And in a way, social media is like that a little bit now. Like these folks, uh, when it, a lot of times it's like, you'll see these older women and they're going thrift storing all the time or they're going dumpster diving. And it's because they're getting the thrill of the find, right? And I mm -hmm. could say that as a collector, I, and, and it's fucking harder now if, than ever as a collector because you can go on eBay as I'm waiting to find <laughs> out. By the end of this podcast, check in. I might have a Xander figure for uh, my Buffy the Vampire Slayer shelf here. Uh, as I'm bidding, I'm, I'm the lead bid right now. I'm expecting someone to snipe, but it's so easy to get caught in that dopamine fix. And now it's like, it's easy to be like, ah, kids today, like social media, like I'm dealing that with my son. Like, um, he's not on social media, but like Fortnite and shit, but okay. like video games, all that stuff's that dopamine fix. And 
people get that in food, right? Like, again, I'm an emotional eater kind of guy. Uh, I also like to celebrate, but I also like to wallow in food and booze. Um, and that could be like lesser or more degrees. So I'm trying to be more aware of it, but I'm also accepting if someone comes in telling me that they want to lose weight, I'm going to help them lose weight, but I'm also very open that I can't promise you that. Like, this is the percentage of the room, the two to three hours a week you're in here with me, I got you. What you do outside of there, I can't help you. Um, I mean, I can help, I shouldn't say I can't help you, but I can't stop you from choosing to eat what you want to eat. If you're going on vacation, guess what? You're going to eat worse than you do here, and you should. Um, but I think that's like, again, in the cell thing of body positive as a buzzword, as, as all of these things, I don't think we're really embracing that. Uh, I don't think trainers are, are, are at the point yet where they're going to post photos of their before and afters that are exactly the same or maybe actually look worse, but maybe that person's fucking stronger than ever. Yeah. But that, you know, body comp might have shifted what people would view as negative or stuff, right? They might show the video of the press itself, but they're not going to talk about starting and endpoints the same way. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's something we can work on because, again, like stronger, being stronger and having more mobility more speed, more power, all of those things I like, translate into a happier life, you know, and look, there is a point with weight where like you have to watch your health on it so that you can have that. But I think we tend to pin that shit at like way lesser extremes than when health is really at risk. Does that make sense? Like there's a level of obesity that's like legit, like we should be like, it's a limitation versus what I think is basically just considered like a fellow average human being. Does that make sense? Yeah, kind of. I mean, like, one of the tenets of body positivity that I don't want to get away from is that um, it's like looking at bodies as currency and as worth, if that makes sense. So, like, the obesity BMI index, like, fuck that shit. Oh, yeah, I mean, I'm obese based on that thing. I mean, everybody's obese based on that thing. That's fucking ridiculous. Um, But it's also the sense of, like, even if you... Like, your worth is not dependent on your body. So, yeah. yeah. So even if, like, and it's not dependent on, like, how well you move or if you move. Because if you think about it, there are people who will never reach, like, peak health. Because they have, I did health with quotation marks. (laughs) This isn't a video. (laughs) Um, Because they have, like, chronic conditions that they're just, like, not going to be my version of healthy, the version of healthy that I can be because they're not, they're, they're like, I have clients with like PCOS. I have client, which is very manageable, but like, you're not going to get away from that. And there are clients with lupus, which like mm-hmm. you, it's very, very difficult to be like the peak version of like health and moving all the time and everything because it's a chronic illness. Um, and so conflating worth with how you look and even like how much you move and what you do and like how quote unquote healthy you are is just like it's leaving out a huge demographic of people which I think everybody who like talks about body positivity or considers themselves a body positive ally or anything has to come to terms with especially in the fitness world is that like some people aren't going to be healthy quote unquote not a video um (laughs) No matter like what we do, what they do, and that's okay. 
That's does that make sense? It does because I'm tr- but and, and I'm catching myself that again. This is why this is an interesting. This is probably like the most uh, uh, topic I have the least personal experience with in terms of like the actual movement of it versus how my own emotions on it mm-hmm. uh, for myself as a person, not yeah. as a coach necessarily. Because I don't think if like I said, if somebody who's like very obese, say like you know bedridden, I'm not saying they're less worthy. But I, I guess my initial reaction is like, we should try to get some help to get them moving to the best that they can in that ability. Like, I think some of that. But how do you approach someone like that if, you know, they're not hearing it or, or in a supportive way as opposed to like, because they're worthy, I guess is what I, how I view that. You know, does that make sense? I'm trying not to stumble on the words of like... It does make sense. Like some, how... some, some, like, again, like the hoarder, yeah. right? Some people will hoard, but they deserve the opportunity to try to like if we can get past the mental barrier to get rid of the stuff. Yeah. But if somebody's like, you know, again, when you have a disease or a condition and mental health is a condition, you know, is his own disorder for sure. I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not pulling on that, but if we find the help to get them moving to the best of their ability, not like my ability, your mobility, as opposed to just maybe accepting. And I don't want to take that worth, but I want to try to find a way, I guess, to introduce hope into that equation. Well, it depends on, this is a really hard topic. It really is. And it, it's difficult, especially because I, I want everybody to understand that I am a, an ally of body positivity and a fat ally, but I'm not like the face of any sort of movement. Like my company, um, Thrive Tribe Movement, is built on movement for people of all sizes, of all genders, um, weight neutral, who like just want to move and don't feel like they have a safe space to do that or the knowledge or they just want a very supportive community. But I am like a thin white girl living in Brooklyn. So I am like the face of privilege right now. Um, So (laughs) my thoughts on this topic, they're not like the be all end all of anything. I'm just speaking off of what I know and what I've learned from like my clients and people I've partnered with in the body positive community. Um, and it depends. I mean, I, I don't think we can think about weight and hoarding as the same thing. Um, oh, I mean, I don't want to, it's no, like, no, no, I, know, it, I, know. Yeah, I don't, I don't want anybody to like leave like Fury just, but, <laughs> but, but, but I think there, it's, um, it's, there's compulsions, I think to some degree and, and, and what's driving those are going to have different reasons, obviously. Yeah. Um, but, but, and, and habits that get formed. And I think the mental, emotional aspect behind that is way more important than the physical anything completely yeah and i think if if a person is ready and they want whether they are like bedridden or extremely underweight or anywhere in between like if they are feeling like they're not living their best life as i say all the time and they're ready to address those issues then change overall will follow but it really starts with like how you're doing mentally and emotionally. Because if you don't address that and you try to change your physical appearance instead, as opposed to like the cause behind it, um, then you're just, it's not gonna get better. Like you're not going to feel better in your life. I think we're actually on that statement. We actually came like, we're actually thinking the same thing. Good, good. But you have better words than I do to explaining it. Words. Words are fun. Words in sequence can be very (laughs) powerful. The right words in sequence. But I think it is, I guess, I guess what I was trying to point is, is how do you, if you know somebody's like in, stuck in that mental rut, right? And it is, you know, like, 
if for alcoholics, it's the moment of clarity. You can't really stop somebody from drinking. They have to stop themselves. Yeah. But like, is there a way to help motivate that to at least take this first step? Because I do see like in those types of conditions and in most actually, um, and it doesn't need to be obesity. It could be somebody that feels like they've got a tons of injuries or something. I do think there's a mental health component that I wish everyone would actually go for. I think when a lot of people go to PT, I think uh, if they've been struggling with PT for a long time, there, there should be like an, also a physical, uh, a, a therapist therapist, not a physical therapist yeah. component of that. Because uh, mindset goes a long way. But is there a way to approach that in a mindset to help kickstart? Or is it like literally it has to be, I don't should say has to be, that sounds so definitive. But does that normally, I guess the success normally come when somebody has that moment where they come on their own? Or is there a way to approach the idea of a therapist first? I mean, I can only speak to my experience where I was on the extreme end of being underweight. Um, and like that was when I hit rock bottom mental health wise. Um, and it was kind of this moment of clarity. Like if before that, I mean, everybody fucking tried um, to tell me that I needed to eat more and like go see a therapist or whatever. Um, but I was way too much... Like, I, d I didn't want to. I wasn't ready to let go of that control. Um, so I do think, from my personal experience, it is very necessary that somebody comes to terms with that in their own mind. And then, when they start getting help, they'll obviously have setbacks along the way. And that's mm. when people can step in and be like, remember why you started this, basically. But you can't just go up to somebody and be like, you need to go to therapy or you need to go and get on a treadmill and exercise three hours a day and all that shit too the other horrible part of this is that whole like biggest loser thing which is fortunately not on the air anymore um where that like they just set these people up for like failure lifelong eating problems yeah um it's a really interesting topic because i think even for myself like i you know i don't know how i'm coming across on this one which is unusual for the podcast, but it's actually kind of like a, a, a good place to be in. Um, I'm thinking a lot, like the words aren't coming out as much because I'm actually trying to process like, how do I approach some of this stuff? And I think even if you don't have the right answers, I think just having that, thinking about it a little bit differently than the traditional fitness marketing. Cause I think on one end, when we look at fitness marketing and folks like I, this is a little bit about advertising, right? Because it, it's how you sell sessions how you sell your brand whether it's an individual movement or you know a studio we get caught in one end being super traditional like here's your before and after get shredded fat loss heart rate i catch myself i, I i'm sure if i go through the coach Fury website i'm gonna there's fat loss mentions and heart rate shit just as buzzwords um because i need to get folks in i probably not a lot of them because i don't look like that guy um but then there's the other side of this where we're supposed to be like, all inclusive, everybody's welcome, no judge, judgment free zone. Yeah. But like, here's the before and after. And clearly, if somebody had the more, I think we lose the options on before, the, some of the things, the negatives of before and afters is like, clearly we look better, might not feel better on a before and after pick. Like, whatever going on in your life, you might not feel better in your after pick, even though by society standards, you look better. But also, like, what about the other 15 people in the room that didn't see the change? You know, I don't love that shit. Um, yeah. and that for me, I guess, is sort of like where the self-regard comes. Like I will help guide you in this room. We will, the team will help guide you to move better so you can experience like, you know, sort of the joy of being strong and mobile. And cause pretty much almost everything in life you need to be strong and mobile for. 
Um, but again, not talking about worth, but just like, this is what we share. This is our guarantee, right? Like we'll help you get to this point. Everything else outside of that though, hopefully that's where, you know, the community in the neighborhood comes in. We're in an interesting thing where we talked about this on Rob with the podcast is, you know, we talk about communities a lot, but communities again has become like a buzzword of like a marketable buzzword of our thing. And the interesting thing here is like, we are a neighborhood, like for the most part, most of our membership now lives within a six block radius. I mean, even our coaches, you live about two miles away, you know, three subway stops. Uh, Caitlin is about three quarters to a mile away, uh, three subway stops. Mallory's like right over there. (laughs) Mallory's like, you know, five blocks away. Um, you know, like we, and and most of the people we train are around here. So it is a neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So like, I think the goal that I want to be, and you could hear this even before I ever opened up the studio is if we're the best neighborhood fitness spot, you know, we can be that spot where somebody has the moment of clarity and comes in on their own and I can shine that light in how we market here, but I don't want to be disingenuous or oversell by being like, yeah, we're all inclusive, but you're, you're not one of us. The the weird thing would, yeah, it's like, it's, and and that's happens so rarely that someone comes in and is not one of us. If that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, even if they continue training or not, because I think that we are that open-minded. Yeah. Everybody who comes in here is really cool. Yeah. Thanks Fury crew. No (laughs) dicks in the Fury crew. Love you. Um, yeah. What's it been like? Let, let's switch. Is there anything else actually before we, we switch gears a little bit? Um, we're gonna wrap up. Is there anything else you want to talk about on the topic? I don't think so. I mean, I did say not the picture of body positivity. You um, did mention, you know, white girl from Brooklyn a lot. White girl from Brooklyn. <laughs> I do that a lot. Um, I mean, I would say just fucking support body positive activists who are in marginalized bodies. Just go read their shit. Go read their posts on social media. A lot of them have books. Um, A lot of them have like inclusive yoga practices and kettlebell practices and everything and just go support them. Why not? There really is no reason why not. Why not change the fitness world to be something where everybody feels like they have a place? Awesome. Uh, Let's talk, what what has it been like? So you were part of like kind of the launch crew here. Mm -hmm. Uh, What's it been like working at Fury Industries? And and you don't have to say all positive shit just because I'm here. The worst, I'm kidding. Um, It's been really fun. Honestly, like I enjoy coming to Speakeasy slash Fury Industries. Um, And everybody who comes in here is somebody I can like talk to and just like kind of hang out with while coaching which is really like, that's a nice feeling when you come in and you're coaching people and you're like, Oh yeah, we can actually like talk about shit and we have stuff in common. And like, everybody's talking to everyone. Like this morning we were talking about one of our members is a, um, Mira's a writer. She's a writer slash illustrator. So she's doing a a talk at, uh, the New York public library this month. And she and another one of our members, they like just met, they were talking about that this morning. And I'm like, this is cute. I like this. It's very cool. <laughs> yeah, one of the interesting things is, is based on our hours, we seem to get a lot of creative folks in yeah. here too that are in like you know the arts or photography or whatnot. Um, but it, it's been really cool to see how it forms. Did she just fart? Or she no, snoring? she's just snoring. Yeah, Ramona is here. Coach Ramona Flowers has been uh, spending much more time at the Speakeasy now, which has been great. Uh, 
it's been very cool for me seeing the growth like there's kind of like the living room crew sort of you can tell that there's like this like pride in them of being part of the living room crew. yeah yeah uh <laughs> and then there's the dance studio crew mm-hmm. and now there's like the the crew that's forming here and uh it's been very cool to see and i gotta tell you it's like Meg was scheduled to take a, 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 a small group session with me, so we actually just kind of made it a little harder and did it together. And there's moments uh, where she's doing, you know, get-ups or swings on the mat next to me, and I have her fucking form's on point. And I'm like, this is what it's about, being a part of Team Fury, yeah. that anyone who's looking through this window is going to be like, shit, that's what a kettlebell swing's supposed to look like. Unless they don't know, and they're going to be like, what the fuck is that What's that they're doing? What's that metal cannonball? But, uh... Thank you for being a part of Fury Crew. Uh, where can people of the Fury Crew, of Fury Crew, <laughs> uh, of the Fury Team, Team Fury, and the Fury Crew, um, is there where where can people find out more from you? Um, more from me on Thrive Tribe Movement. You can go to thrivetribemvmt.com, um, and on Instagram, I'm Movement by Meg, and I'm also Thrive Tribe Movement. So those are the places that I kind of post the most, and I have my email list up on my website, and I'm just saying a lot of stuff all the time. So, oh, and also I post a lot about my dog and my cat. So, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> check out check out Meg's stuff, um, and you you also have noticed if you if you follow any of my stuff on uh, the socials, she's been backing me up on some DVRT videos. Yeah, she's gonna be she's gonna be huge this year. Go watch me lift heavy shit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Thanks for coming on. This I'm going to yeah. say, I think of all the conversations and all the people um, that I've had on this show, this is probably the most challenging one for me to actually wrap my head around Yeah. how I present people, which is what I was hoping for. Uh, stuff to think about, folks. Words. We talk about it. We talk about the importance of words in coaching, but like, there's fucking many levels of tactics that how we're approaching somebody. Uh, I guess be okay that you're going to get it wrong sometimes, but keep an open heart and an open mind to know to course correct. Yeah. Uh, Cause sometimes you might be saying something that you think is super nice and it could be the worst thing for them to hear. And just uh, don't be offended. Don't be offended about by it. Like people are telling you how your words make them feel. And I, as a fitness coach, I started out in the kickboxing world. I got shit wrong all the time um, in terms of inclusivity. Just like, listen, listen to people, Take it in, change your actions, you're going to be fine. And on that, we say, (laughs) good day, sirs and madams. Uh, (laughs) That's been a dumb running thing in here. Uh, Hey, everybody. uh, Meg, thanks for hanging out and being a part of the team. Uh, Listeners, uh, this is an interesting one. I hope you got something out of it because I think it's important. And, uh, you know, there's buzzwords and sellability stuff, but then there's actually living up to what you're trying to be. And I think these conversations are part of that. And thanks for listening. Hey, uh, follow Meg on her socials. We all love to have those follows. And please rate the show. And if you're in the neighborhood, 3rd Avenue and 12th Street in Gowanus, Brooklyn, stop by and say hi. Um, yes. If we're not here, we're closed. Or there'll be a picture that says when we're coming back. Anyway, have a good uh, weekend or week. It's, I don't know by the time this out. goes up, yeah, I don't know either. Have a good day, day. Good day. Good day. Good day. <laughs> the Coach Fury Podcast is created, owned, and produced by Steve Coach Fury Holliner for Fury Industries LLC. Music provided by the FTW. 
Visit the FTW.NYC for band, tour, music, and merch info. Artwork created by Glenn Gurrieta. Visit glengurrieta.com. That's G-L-E-N-N-U-R-I-E-T-A. Or follow him on Instagram at Glenn Gurrieta. Voiceover by Laura Palmer.